the Sideways, Book One, Awake, written and narrated by Andy Havens. If you're enjoying the podcast or you've enjoyed the written book, we'd always appreciate a share on your favorite social network. That's www.the-side-ways.com. Thanks for listening. When the Blood Thanes, a close-knit group of clan hunters, burst into the restaurant, Wallace, of course, knew them immediately for what they were. He could tell from their markings what clan they belonged to, and that they had come to capture, not to kill. That fact was confirmed when one of them brandished a spirit glass at Kendra. Interesting craftsmanship, Wallace had thought, looking at the object from less than a foot away. One of ours, I think, though bound in blood, of course. He wasn't afraid. There was no need to be. Reckoners might steal from each other, or even cause each other some discomfort, but never real harm. There was drama, of course, and chagrin, anger, resentment, loads of passive-aggressive behavior. He'd seen it all in his studies, but very little direct violence, at least for the last 7,000 years or so which was why he'd been so surprised when the blood thane had struck him across the face. Hard. Kendra's disappearance was surprising, too, but everything about the girl had been unique thus far. Wallace didn't like unique. He didn't like extraordinary. His research was about finding patterns and seeing paths. Anomalies were to be understood only within the context of greater order, either as examples of as of yet unfound patterns or as exceptions that require the discovery of other patterns. Because if you can see enough and know enough, everything makes sense. Even a small girl with great huge parrot wings sliding down through the ceiling and flying off with your lunch companion. A lunch companion who owes me information, Wallace thought, as Kendra and Parrot Girl disappeared. Some of the mundane customers fled, seeing only gangbangers with guns and knives and two girls running out of the restaurant. Their leader was scooping bills into a paper sack while the two by the door looked around, unsure of what to do, now that their obvious quarry had vanished. Several other customers, both mundane and reckoner, held very still and shrank away from the robbers as much as they could. "'Excuse me,' Wallace asked the confused blood hunter standing by their table, spirit glass still brandished in his right hand. "'Do you know if your glass was bound to blood before or after the feedback line was set into the material?' The Thane looked at Wallace as if he were an idiot and speaking in an entirely foreign language. "'The easiest way to tell would be if you knew whether there are other similar tools in your—' And that was when the hunter hit him a short, hard smack with the back of the hand that was holding the glass. He'd never been hit that hard before, pushed, sure, a couple times by mundanes or reckoners who were trying to get by him. Those of sight often stopped in odd places to observe, well, anything. He'd even tripped once and really banged his elbow pretty good. But this was uh, really different, the surprise and shock adding to the pain in his cheek. Before he could react, the leader of the gang hissed some kind of order, and all four of them fled. There was an odd moment of silence, and then the patrons all began talking at once, some of them leaving quickly, too. 
The owner pulled out a cell phone, dialed, and began talking to someone. The waitress sat down hard on the floor, not hurt, just shocked. Tess now looked entirely like a young woman, dressed in what Wallace would have qualified as goth light. That is, all black and silver, but without enough scary makeup and piercings to make her seem anything but maybe artistic or dramatic. We should leave, she said softly. Agreed, said Kalen. Come on, boy. The Greenman helped Wallace to his feet, and the three of them left just as a police car rounded the corner. Wallace could tell it was only mundane cops, and so he had no worries about trouble, though what that meant was unclear in his mind at this point. But it might have taken time to deal with them. Leaving is smart, he mumbled softly. Yes, I agree. He was stumbling, and only Kalen's hand on his shoulder kept him from taking a fall. He's in a bit of a shock, Tess said. Let's get him back to the library. No, no, Wallace insisted. I Just find me a cab. I'll go home. I work from home quite a bit. No one will miss me, and... As his hand went to his cheek, he was sure a red welt was forming there. They stopped at the corner, and Kalen flagged down a mundane taxi while Tess took a look at Wallace's cheek. It's not that bad, she told him. If it hurts, I can... No, no, that's fine, he said. I'll put some frozen peas on it when I get home. Tess smiled softly. You read that somewhere. I know you did. Maybe a month ago, maybe twenty years. Sometimes sight can be so cute. Out loud, she said... That will take the swelling down, yes. Wallace got into the cab and gave the driver his home address. As they pulled away from the curb, he turned and saw Tess become a crow and fly away. Kalen stood and watched the cab until it turned a corner. Home, frozen peas, a text to his immediate superior to say he'd be working from home for a day or two, a shower, some light reading, and research for a mundane client of the library. Soon it was dark, and Wallace sat with a second bag of frozen vegetables, corn this time, laying on his cheek as he watched Casablanca for the forty-ninth time. His face was numb, and he suspected that he really hadn't been hit very hard, since there was barely any red left, but doing something, anything, felt good. Just because you know it's the placebo effect doesn't mean it isn't real, he thought. At first, the decision to not tell his boss on Mr. Monday about the incident was simply a gut reaction— part shame, part desire to avoid any kind of tension at work. Being noticed wasn't really a good thing in the library, even for positive reasons. It was a distraction. But then, while getting ready for bed, he realized that Kendra had intersected the library and its workers several times already. As a professional and an extraordinary watcher of things, Wallace knew that coincidence was often a label applied to as-of-yet unrecognized patterns. Maybe Kale and bringing Kendra to the library when she'd been sprayed by Skyblood had been an instinctive reaction. Maybe Mr. Monday deciding to test her in his way had been the simplest, most logical way to deal with that situation. Maybe Kendra becoming a reckoner in the library was just a fluke, highly unlikely, but essentially random. Maybe Kendra bringing her uncle, a master of release, into the library had been an unconscious decision on her part. Maybe Kendra freeing Tess from Mr. Monday's study simply had been part of the girl's own escape. And maybe he, Wallace, had been with Tess during the attack at the restaurant because... Hmm. Too many maybes, Wallace thought. I need to let Mr. Monday know what's happened. He'll decide if it's important or not. 
But then, just as he was drifting off to sleep, Wallace remembered how Kendra had felt in his arms as he'd brought her from the library's outer area into Monday's office. She'd seemed so small, yet strangely solid. Her hair had smelled like green apples. Shampoo, he'd assumed, and as he'd put her down as gently as he could, she'd made a small noise, a kind of meow or a sigh. When he'd heard later that she'd survived Monday's way, he'd been strangely glad. He'd only known her for a minute or two, and she'd been unconscious for that. And she'd been at the time a mundane, and they were generally, well, less interesting. But something about her stuck with him. The feel of her in his arms, the smell of green apples, the blue iridescent mark on her collarbone. Something. And as he drifted off to sleep, Wallace realized that he wasn't going to tell Mr. Monday about what had happened at the restaurant. Not quite yet, was his last thought before slipping into a dream of crows and mirrors. For the next two weeks, Kendra learned more and faster than she would previously have thought possible. Partly that was because she had in Vanya a constant and enthusiastic, if sometimes mischievous, teacher. Partly it was that she had access to new senses and resources that made it easier with each lesson to process the next. But mostly it was because she was having so much fun. The thing about chaos, Vanya explained, is that things just happen. Sometimes. Other times, they don't. But you learn to ride the delta either way. The delta? The difference between expectation and result. You order fries, and they put onion rings in the bag. You can either be pissed and spend a bunch of energy and time taking them back, or ride the delta. Kendra finished the sentence. Enjoy the surprise. Live in the moment. Exactly. Which discussion, of course, made them both hungry for onion rings. According to Vanya, there were no good onion rings to be had in Europe or Asia. It was either off to Australia or back to the Americas, and the latter wasn't an option with the search going on for Kendra. So they took the ways to Australia. Travel among reckoners, Kendra learned, was less an issue of timing and expense and more about preference. Let's start with the narrow roads, Vanya said. They're fun and good for sightseeing, and we're not really in a hurry. Unless you need onion rings, you know. Right now! That last was shouted, and as Kendra blinked her eyes, Vanya took two leaping steps and landed on a strand of something that in her new vision seemed to Kendra to be a loop of viscous light. It looked to Kendra's mundane eyes as if Vanya were skating on one foot along a narrow dirt path at about 50 miles per hour. Shrugging, she took three steps and jumped on top of the weirdly pulsing strand of light. Whatever it was, it caught her intention, and she sped off after Parrot Girl, grass and dust parting behind her in a gritty wake. She focused a bit harder, went a bit faster, and caught up to her friend, skidding behind her and a little off to one side. She felt that if she moved too far to one side, she'd lose the grip of whatever it was she was riding, so she made sure not to do that. While she was pretty sure Vanya would take care of her, tumbling into a tree at highway speeds didn't seem to be a, like a good idea, regardless. She shouted out to Vanya, How does this work? Vanya turned in place, still sliding along the ground at the same speed, and asked quietly, Why are you shouting? Kendra realized that despite the speed, she wasn't being buffeted by her passage. 
In fact, there was no wind whatsoever, no whistling in her ears, no sting against her eyes. Vanya's hair was barely moving as they sped along, hanging almost straight down, despite what would have been a pretty stiff blow had she been hanging out of a car window at this speed. A stand of trees loomed up as they went over a rise, and Kendra started to shout a warning to Vanya, but the path swerved around it, and they shot through a narrow gap in the woods. Shaking her head a bit, Kendra repeated, How does this work, these narrow roads? Vanya gestured at the path. This was created by a mundane, she explained. It's an ancient cow path or a cart street or a shuffle trail. Who knows or cares what they call it or whatever. Over time, as they used it more and more, their intentions soaked into it. We can ride those. Kendra looked down. Other than the pulsing light that infused the path, it looked just like that. A dirt path through a meadow. I don't understand, she said. Vanya scratched her head. Almost any kind of energy can be harnessed as a way, she explained. The water and waves or rivers, fire, wind. There's the stuff that mundanes can do with it, and then there's the stuff we can do with it. A few thousand years ago, one of the reckoners from Increase was able to figure out how to take the way that mundanes think about their roads and add a way to it that we can use. Wait, I, I thought that mundanes couldn't use ways. The little girl laughed. Of course they can't. I mean, not without a reckoner to guide them or provide passage. But this isn't using a way when they walk or ride or drive on a what road. It's powering the way. They only use the way the same way a horse uses a saddle or a river uses a water wheel. The analogy made Kendra a bit uncomfortable, but she needed to understand. So when mundanes use the road, that provides some kind of charge? Vanya made a rude farting noise with her tongue. <laughs> Darned if I know, sister. It's an increased thing. But as long as you can find one, any reckoner can tap them. Not much good for long-range travel, but often less exhausting and more obvious than some of the other options. So you can use a way created by another house, but... Sometimes, Vanya interrupted, sitting down on the ground which still flashed beneath her at what Kendra thought was increasing speed. Depends on the way. Some are locked to the domain. You'd need to understand how it was created to even see it or use it. Some can be shared, like with mundanes, if you bring along the right friend. But some are just for everybody. Like these, she finished, patting the ground. Kendra realized that they were going faster, and that the path had become, while they spoke, more of a dirt road. Two streaks of packed soil about the width of a car shot under them now, and Kendra sat back and enjoyed the view speeding by. Soon the road became smoother and wider, and here and there crossroads began to run off from their path. As signs of civilization, post boxes, a park truck, an old barn, appeared, Vanya asked, grinning, ready for some real fun? Kendra nodded, grinning back, and at the next intersection, Vanya leaned to the left, and they took a nearly 90-degree turn onto a secondary paved road and nearly doubled their speed. Houses whipped by, other streets, trees and fields, and wells, and more parked cars and trucks. Every time it seemed like they were going to slam into something, they simply swerved around without losing speed or any change of momentum. It was like the rest of the world was a set or a painting, and they were simply changing their view of it. The road wants us to go, realized Kendra. I just need to accept its purpose. Parrot Girl leaned to the left again, and then to the right, and then another right, and they were on a minor highway, paved, of course, with two lanes of traffic going in both directions. As they shot around cars and motorcycles that seemed to be standing still, 
Kendra estimated that they must be going well over a hundred miles an hour, maybe more. She had lost her frame of reference. At a traffic jam, they swerved up and over instead of around, lifting about ten feet off the ground to sail above hundreds of cars, while still swerving around the trucks in the stream. Right again, and they were on a major highway, four lanes in each direction, and at that point they were moving so fast that Kendra stopped being able to see the cars or anything in nearby proximity. She tried again to focus on the horizon or things at a distance. Tall buildings, maybe cities, a series of hills, more woods. Around her she'd occasionally glimpse or sense a color or a reflection, but it was like trying to read road signs directly out the window of a train. Not enough time to see the details. Finally, with a number of leans and twitches, Vanya brought them to a stop just to the side of a road that paralleled a river. Standing, she dusted off the back of her dress and gestured for Kendra to follow her down to the bank to the water. Your turn, she said, pointing at the river. Look, and tell me what you see. Kendra concentrated and saw something different than what the narrow roads had been, but maybe a similar flavor or tone. But where the roads had been a long string of pulsing and tension, here on the bank of the river she sensed points, spots of a way that the river connected, like knots on a rope, maybe, or pearls on a string. I see... she began. Here, said Parrot Girl, motioning with her hand. Suddenly the points became clearer in Kendra's mind. She could tell that they were the places where the river had decided to twist and turn to go around a hard piece of land or burrow against soft clay. Whose, she asked, one of ours, Vanya said proudly, wiggling her fingers and making the knots of light and power glimmer even more brightly. Chaos, Kendra murmured. Rivers don't know straight lines. Parrot Girl leaned over and kissed her gently on the cheek. You learn fast, sister, she said. Come on, Vanya said, I'll show you. Never mind, said Kendra, I see it. She stepped into the river and asked it to show her the story of its curves, the way that made distinctive yet seemingly random loops and whirls in the landscape. There was a shimmer, and Kendra disappeared. Smiling, Vanya splashed in the shallows for a moment before following her friend. <laughs>